Oh no! D disaster! Disaster! Welcome to Salonomics, broadcasting from Essex. It's the 6th of July and the Bitcoin price is currently $33,835. Currently $1 will get you 2,959 Satoshis. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, Richard Maidley. Richard. Joe Meme. <laughs> hey Joe. <laughs> All right, you. You've been watching Good Morning Breakfast, have you? I haven't, but I have seen the row that's broken out on Twitter about Richard Madeley calling this um, Susan Michie uh, a communist. Well, he didn't. No, he didn't call her a communist. He just asked her if her communist beliefs have influenced her lockdown zealotry. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it is quite funny how people, right? So, with no. Uh, education, when I say education, right, they, they've got no understanding of the real world. Yes. Make comments, and their comments, right, as taken as gospel. Yes. Well, it's interesting. This, this, was, this was off the back of the Sun's newspaper labelling her Stalin's nanny. Oh, and right. it seems like there is a mass media campaign to completely undermine a lot of these sage people and obviously she is one of the people that have basically locked down the entire country. And she was quoted, and this is verbatim, as basically saying um, masks should be worn forever. <laughs> that is no word of a lie, Joe Mehmet. She said that. She said that in a TV interview the other day. And, and, and these are the people who have our best interests at heart, Joe Mehmet. I, I, I know, listen, there's that classic saying, right? You know, opinions are like ourselves. Everyone's got one, right? But it's when you put the, um, your opinions across the nation, across onto the nation, that, you know, it, it becomes, um, I don't know what the word is, but it beggars belief. Well, it's but double these, standards, isn't it? Well, these people it, making the decisions haven't lost a single penny in the last 18 months, and they're talking from this sheltered, protected, walled garden yeah. that none I mean, of us have. Well, you, this is it. This is what I'm trying. They've got no, they don't really care about us. You know, they care about themselves, basically speaking. You know? That's right. I, it, it kind of reminds me. Did you see that? There's that sort of tennis um, sensation that Emma... Radicante, yeah, I, I watched her game um, a couple of days ago. Actually, I, I watched yeah, it last she's... night because I did. Take, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not into his, the mass hysteria of the uh, the, the general part, right? But there's a lot of noise, and, and I actually took took. A, I was aware of when Boris Becker, right? He mm. sort of said this girl's got all the right ingredients, and, and don't forget, Boris Becker was a world champion, uh, Olympic yeah. champion, at 17 years old, as yes. a complete unknown, right? Yeah. So he he's got all the make understanding of what it requires. So I thought, you know, Boris Becker said something. I'm going to take notice. So I was watching the game last night, and then obviously she you know, she she faltered right apparently with the um, the the breathing difficulty all that. Lot. And, and John McEnroe said something that was quite 
um, not profound, but quite true to statement that the pressure probably got to her and, mm. and the anxiety and the, uh, the nerves and all that lot made her life very difficult in, in terms of breathing. Anyway, talk about the outrage that um, John McEnroe's getting from so-called people, right, who's, got, who's never been in that position of, of fighting for a, a title as such, of being world champion as such, and he's been slaughtered. And, you know, for me, John McEnroe actually introduced, introduced me to the game of tennis. And since mm. he retired, right, I don't really, I've, I've really lost interest in tennis because... Yeah, um, John McEnroe was my mum's favourite tennis player yeah, as well because he was a character right yeah. he was and also it was anti-establishment you know i mean again we go yeah. you know we're talking about sort of like being you know rattled the cage and, and you know we, we we kind of sovereigns in our own right we're non-conformists and john mackero saw like it was uh it, it was, was a spokesman to our image so it's quite interesting that people do criticize things very quickly with no experiences well, this is the thing with social media, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's the la- latest outrage. Um, it's a new pastime, you know. It's yeah. a hobby for yeah. people to be outraged at something. It's like their existence cannot be justified until they get outraged and they make their point about something. Unfortunately, like you say, you know, their point comes from complete left field where they haven't got a clue what they're talking about, but they think their opinion's valid, right? Yeah, it's sad. Which, which kind of, I suppose we want to talk about today is the um, the apprenticeship, right? Yeah, you had, so... You had, your, uh, you had a chat with uh, David yesterday, didn't you? David? Who's Eddie, David? Eddie, Eddie Hemmings. I'm thinking of David Edward Hemmings, Hemmings. Edward yes, Hemmings. for sure. Yeah, so, so basically, um, the whole... Uh, zoom conversation was inspired by a post he put on linkedin which really just highlighted another another unintended consequences handed out by the government but we are all trying to answer this question uh why is nobody hiring apprentices at the moment um and there was a few interesting uh tidbits that came out of the conversation with Edward that you know I've got some clips for you to listen to and I'd really love your take on it I, but I fundamentally I earlier on but like cuz I was walking a dog so I didn't take down any notes unfortunately so Yeah that's fine that's fine well, we we can kind of like go through it because I've got some clips that I will insert here and every time you hear a I'll insert a a clip uh, about what we're talking about. But um, fundamentally, the problem is there is low-income families out there which if their kids go into an apprenticeship in a salon, this is how I understand it, how Edward explained to me, if they go to an apprenticeship in a salon, whereas that salon would then have to pay that kid an hourly apprentice rate, that if that is a low-income family that family then loses benefits to the tune of what that kid goes into apprenticeships. So that's the fundamental problem with this. Um, However, how prevalent it is, Edward has gone away and he's going to be uh, getting some more evidence to find out, you know, what percentage of it is. Hopefully it's not a big percentage. Uh, Hopefully that's not the major issue because obviously we always identify problems with the the industry at the moment. Um, and yeah, so Edward's gonna. I'm gonna put the full, um, the full unedited version of that chat on YouTube, and I'll probably release it as a bonus podcast on its own as a Salonomics yeah, 41A, yeah. so people can have a listen to the entire conversation. Obviously, we spoke about you know apprentices, we spoke about 
problems in the industry. We spoke about centralization of, you know, education. You know, we spoke to, about the high street. Um, and you spoke about me too. <laughs> and we spoke about you and your uh, love of dogs. And, and uh, um, yeah, and, 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 and LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, and your LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a really fascinating com- conversation because obviously Edward is somebody that is, you know, he's deep in deeply involved in uh, the training um, of our students. But obviously, you know, he's one of those that has a foot on either side of the fence. He's cutting hair uh, in the salon. He's still got a clientele and he's running a training academy. So actually, he, he did make a very good point, actually, when he when he talked about um, he had to take over his, one of his staff's uh, clientele which he was yeah. enjoying. And, and it's very true that students had to see real life results because that's how they, they you know, I always sort of said you can't learn on dummies. Really. You, got, you know, you, you, could, you could do some theories on dummies, but you've got to be hands-on. And that's our industry. Uh, has to be a hands-on experiences. And, 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 he, and he, he actually observed that. He realised the big difference it made to him in going forward, it, with, with the, seeing the reaction of um, students, when he's actually been doing real life clients to doing models, yeah, you know, because it's a very different emotion. But let me, before we start going about, let, I actually did a bit of research into the apprenticeships and um, and the declining numbers in, in our industry. All oh, right, brilliant. What real? You've got real data there, Joe. Well, I have got data, right? Okay. At what, at what stage do you think we just came across it now, right? But um, because of the pandemic or whatever, and there's been a lot of noise of recent because we saw the, the parliamentary debate, didn't we? Where they actually yes. mentioned. Yes. Now, when do you think the, the problem was first highlighted? How long ago do you think it was highlighted? What the decline in apprentices? Yeah, in our industry. Um, uh, probably five years ago. Good, good, good guess. Twenty fifteen. So six okay. years ago, right? That that yeah. was that was when he was first aware. The in industry leaders, as in the the prof, the professional bodies, actually came across the falling numbers since May twenty fifteen. Okay. Right? And, and I actually saw it into a government um, think tank, the Hansard thing of, of um, apprenticeships. And in, in 2019, 2020, there were seven, 719,000 apprenticeships. All right. Yeah. Uh, an apprenticeship could be across any, any industry, right? Okay. Which was 23,400 fewer than in 2018, 2019. Yeah. Right. Okay. So again, apprenticeships are dropping down across the board in in, um, in all industries. Now, the interesting stat that I came across, right? What do you feel was the average age of every apprenticeship? Uh, again, in the 17, 719,000 um, participants. In, in uh, I, I th- well, I think because most kids, because Edward made this point yesterday about you know schools basically uh passing a, a rule which says oh you don't leave school till 18 now so is it it was is it 18 24 24 hmm. 
24. 24. 24, because there's certain levels of entry as well. So, like, you've got some apprenticeships, right? There's a level of entries, right? You've got intermediate, yeah. level two, three, you know, whatever. And you need certain qualifications, don't you? Um, yeah and and there's funding levels as well yeah, joe yeah. so obviously someone that's 16 to 18 would draw down a certain amount of funding someone yes. who's 18 to 20 would draw a certain amount you know yeah. and, it, and it declines so the older yeah. that person gets the uh, the lesser amount um is rewarded to the training provider right and, and then again you know we, well, i don't going to sort of like the um the, the men and women sort of sector it's kind of virtually 50 50 right but yeah. in 2017 apparently the, the government did a an apprenticeship, they, they did a revision of the apprenticeship funding system, right, where they're mm. interested to levy, again, per, per age as well, which we discussed. So again, apprenticeships, not only in our industry, is declining, across the board, across the board, is declining, right? Mm. And so that, that kind of sort of says to you, well, it tells me, really, that the, the standard of education in this country it's pretty poor, really, really. Because what me and Rex were talking about this Emma Radjukin, Radu right? It's easy for you to say. Yeah, so well, I can't say, I can't pronounce it. It's the first time I actually came across it now. And she was telling me, apparently, you know that Dina Escher Smith, the uh, Olympic um, champion sprinter? Yes. Right? She, she actually went to the same school that this Emma did. And apparently there was, a, there was a, a footballer went to the same school. And apparently the, these teachers, right, when they notice a young talent from a young age, they actually do a curriculum around these students rather than the curriculum around, around you know, they, they have to go around the curriculum. And I think... I what, guess, so what, so what, so you mean they, they, they kind of pinpoint it for that individual? Yes, yes. Right. Right, so the school's actually responsible, right? Yeah. The, and, and I think with our industry is that it's, it's lost that ability as well because we can discuss that now, right, with the, uh, the bureaucrats. Somewhere along the line, it's declining because, I don't think it's because of the, the, the DWP, you know, the Department of Work and, and Pensions, all those kind of things to do that, right? It's the education that they're getting. It's not inspiring them to get into our industry. Mm. You, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally, totally. And and this this goes back to our point that we discussed on a show a few shows ago with Lee. Um, it was the fact that because you're going in as an apprentice or as a young person, you're seeing someone at the top of their career turning up in the Ferrari or on the motorbike, being a bit rock and roll. That's what inspires these 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. You know, yeah. It's not necessarily going to a college where you're all like sheep, herded into a classroom, told you've got to do this, you've got to do that, we've got to tick box it. Do you know what I mean? What I want to know is where is that inspiration in the classroom coming from? You know, it's like to just to get a young person's attention, because as we know with all the technology out there you know attention is very very difficult to get you know someone's 100% focus and attention and to me it does seem that there is a correlation between um, the amount of these kids going through college and the decline in successful hairdressing enterprises in this country so I mean like I say it's such a nuanced subject and this is why we got Edward onto Salonomics last night was 
because, you know, he's pinpointed one small issue, but this issue adds on to the, the rest of the issues surrounding centralization of these vocational industries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, Edward also made a great point about it's a gradual decline. Well, yeah, you know, he, in, yeah. in his experience, he's been teaching for uh, 20 plus years. In his experience, it's going down gradually. This yeah. is, and just like, you know, as I always explain to you about inflation, you know, we're in an inflationary car crash, but it's in slow motion. So I wonder if all of these things are slightly correlated. Uh, it's almost an impossible question to answer. No, um, at all. I, I disagree, actually. I okay, disagree. go on then. Answer the question. Answer that $64 million question. Well, I'm not going to answer the question with, with, with a sentence, right? What yeah. I find... It, what I find so like uh, concerning is that the professional bodies knows that there's a problem in the industry. They know there's a problem, right? And they mm. do nothing about it. That is my concern. Yeah. Okay. They get concerned about things like cut the vat. Cut the vat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Then, Which obviously, it, it, exactly. you know, only affect the top ten percent of the it, industry it, exactly. anyway. And, and um, um, Edward Hemmings was is hundred percent right. He's seen a slow decline, and so obviously these these uh, professional bodies like, know there's a decline, and what they've been doing about it, nothing. Now mm. let's explore why they haven't done anything about it, because it's to their advantage that what they who they who's their sponsors, who are their promoters, who are they backing, right? Is education centres, all right? So they're not they're not speaking on behalf of a small salon owner, because most of the VAT registered anyway, as we know. They're, so mm. they're not speaking to the to the industry entirely. They're speaking to a, a, a specific um, niche group, and they're the ones who actually will benefit more with apprenticeships being declined, but the education of hairdressing is being promoted. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, totally. I totally get you. You know, once again, there's all these factions in the industries that are all trying their hardest to survive. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I suppose what what, what we're after, we're after a little bit of kind of focus, honesty and and passion. You know, first principles thinking is, well, what's the problem? Um, What is the problem? You know, is it the young people? Is it the fact that access to training is difficult? Is it the fact that, you know, salons... Is it, is it the fact that salons, you know, have to go through such a bureaucratic process in order to hire a young person that they just outsource it for someone else? Because as you and I both know, when you're working in the salon, the last thing you've got time for is to be doing dealing with a load of admin for there, people. There is that, but, look, but I mean, as a as a sort of like excellent owner, right? I, I tell you one thing, right? That I did come across, and, and this is sort of 10, 12 years ago, right? Was that, and again, I, you, you're blaming the bureaucrats, the government, the or whatever. The they you, you got they it's young school leavers, and most hairdressers in my generation, probably your generation, right? They went into hairdressing because. They didn't really get the grades to go to a different level of um, 
industry. college or school. R- yeah. Whatever, right? So They're different thinkers. They're like yeah. creative thinkers right. rather in, than in, academics. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, so like, look, I'm not very good at this. I'm going to go to hairdressers. I mean, I've gone yeah. to hairdressers because I didn't have any qualifications just to say to go into banking, say, or whatever. Yeah. I couldn't even get a job in a hotel as a busboy, <laughs> right? So, yeah, the low, it was the lowest form of entry was, was a hairdressing yeah. apprentice. And, and I think that most school kids are leaving school now, right, with at least some kind of GCSE, they're not going to go into hairdressing area. Now, what they, what they all do are they go into some other industry, they try for two, three years, and they kind of realise, no, I don't like it, I want to go into hairdressing. So they're going to hairdressing a lot like, later stage. Now, I can assure you one thing, Aaron, right? Most mm. salon owners and me particularly, will have no confidence in employing a hairdresser, an apprentice, at 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old. Now, I'll tell you the reason why. Because a hairdresser, if he doesn't have a clientele at 25 years old, they never will. Because by the time they get to 21, 22, they should be on the floor. They should be learning by mistakes. So by 23, 24, 25, they should find all their mistakes out. Because you've started mm. 16, 17, 18, by the time you're 20, you're qualified. By the time you're 21, you, you're making a lot of, um, not fuck-ups, basically speaking, but mistakes that you could, that, that's going to be rectifiable. Missed it. You, you know what I mean? So by 25, yeah. you should be on your way to having a clientele. Because if you haven't got a clientele at 25, you never will, Aaron. Yeah, but what about what about the apprentice though, Joe? Well, that's what what I mean. about that? They, so what, what if what if a, what if a young sixteen-year-old Joe Mehmet came up to the salon owning Joe Mehmet and went, "Hey, Mister, I saw you turn up, you know, with your two pug dogs on the back of your, you know, Ducati. Um, <laughs> I would have I, I really want a job with I you. Now, what what would put him off, right? Would be the minimum wage. All right, that's what would more likely put him off because. Again, he'd be looking at something, say, what, £1,000 a month, £250 a week, whatever. All right. What, uh, as, a, as a starting salary in, yeah, another, in well, another industry? Yeah, whatever, exactly. I mean, I know one thing, right, and I, and I could sort of, again, with experience with my, my nephew's son, uh, who went to work at Neville's, right? He wasn't mm. earning a lot of money as, as a salary, because he was literally getting a basic uh, minimum wage. But he was pulling an awful lot of money as tips. Yeah. Right. And this is again, this is the advantages that top salons do have over these smaller salons, really, because um, it, the, the there is a big difference in, in in that in the fact that apprentices in in all these big salons, right, could actually sort of double their wages um, just on their just on the the, the tipping, Aaron. Mm. You know, I mean, they could easily pull 50, 60, 100 pounds a day, really, because the, yeah, the clientele, right, high network individual, easy tip 10 pounds for a shampoo. Whereas if you go, you know, Auntie Ethel's at Peckham High Street, you'd be lucky to get a pound, right? Sure. So there's a big difference of getting there. So Yeah, no, but, but the whole point of, like, becoming a hairdresser and apprentice, Joe, isn't necessarily, you know, because your starting salary is £250 a week, you know, it's because it's, you know, you're going to be getting the best training, right? So, account, uh, like, you know, you have to make an account for 
the fact that joining a top salon, you're going to be given the best training. Um, well, I think the best... So is there not a sacrifice to be made? And is this not the test of attitude that we talk about? You know, yeah, you're going to be on a, a small wage, but, you know, you stick it out, then the rewards will be as... You know, as as big as you want, if well, you stick it out. You well, know? see, we, we again. I'm talking from experience, but I totally agree with you. But I, I don't have I don't have a sort of 17, 18 year old kid as a, as a reference. Right? I mean, even even my nephew's son, he he pulled away from Neville's because he wanted to get into cutting as quick as possible. So he went, sure, you, you know, what I mean, so the apprenticeship again, right? He doesn't want to do two, three years of just standing visually watching someone's style hair this and that etc yeah be, for sure you know for sure. And, and again i think the the um the, the barbering is a lot more it's a lot more rock and roll right you know the tattoos they've got the, the beers they've got the love they've got the they've got the motorbikes they've got the yeah the the, the brood dog look haven't they yeah do you know what i mean brood dog yeah yeah, yeah gotcha yeah, right and i think that's probably more enticing to it but the hair, 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 um, the barbering side, they don't really need a prejudice. It's, it's a program, isn't it? Like 12 week program, 16 week. I don't, I don't know what it is. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think the key with all of these apprentices, it's, it is all down to litigation and administration because you need to get one of these qualifications in order to get insurance. And as me and Edward discussed yesterday, you know, the licensing aspect of it is a little bit of a nonsense, you know, with the get registered, pay 50 quid a year to join a list, you know, it's kind of irrelevant. Well, yeah, you did that However, you were a heritage council, you were, uh, you, you had a title, didn't you? With, well, yeah, you, I'm a state registered. registered senior hairdresser or, or something, you know, yeah. and I can put those letters after my name if I want to. But, um, my point here is, you know, it's insurance that people are going to be checking. And, and there's a roadmap in order for you to get the insurance where you're only going to be able to go down one avenue in order to acquire that insurance. So it's it's irrelevant whether you're proficient at your job. It's did you go to the right place or not and pick up a certificate which an insurance company can then insure you against yeah, you know i mean I, I, and this is this is this is the slippery slope that we're down joe because rather than being uh, an industry where the creatives are in control of it we are completely exposed to accountants and insurers telling us the direction that our industry can go I, I, and i, I think normal i would agree with you but i can't see how an insurance right is responsible or insurance uh, policy is responsible yeah. to the declining of the apprentices and that, i can't see I can't, well I can't yeah no that. for sure no 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 i agree i agree there's, there's a stretch there and i'm, I'm not linking insurances yeah. to yeah. to the apprentices what i'm linking is the fact that there will only be certain training providers allowed to develop these apprentices and right. it looks like there's going to be a funneling of apprentices away from proper salons right into these right. these organizations okay. and, and, and you know and, and go on and because now you get now you're going on to the right track in, in my opinion because who's who gets the benefits well, this is the point. Um, you know, who gets the benefits from that? Well, obviously, the government has, um, you know, 
that their entire indicators of whether they're doing a good job is unemployment, right? right. Unemployment exactly. numbers. What do they trot out every every single four years when uh, the election comes? You know, we've got record low unemployment. Well, if more so of these kids... It, it, sorry to interrupt. It's not so much unemployment, right? It's education. They, 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 well, they, education, they, NHS, yeah. GDP, yeah. unemployment. There's yeah. probably four indicators yeah. that every government will... They'll either put up in lights if it's good for them. Now, as we are getting a much more complex, um, becoming a much more complex industry, with kids now not leaving school officially until they're 18, you know, all of these things are put in a way that you've now got thousands, thousands of kids going to colleges for apprentices. That's 750,000 people that are not, technically unemployed like they would have been 20 right. 30 years That's ago right. you know right. and i can imagine your old man saying to you joe Mehmet, get out of this house and don't come home until you've got a job yeah do you know what i mean mm -hmm. now this whole idea of going out and getting a job there's so many barriers of entry oh you've got to go to this college and you've got to get that qualification and if you get you know three years later you might be able to get a job Joe, yeah. do you know what I mean? So rather than actually being employed and go, right, there you go, and then you, Joe Mehmet, deciding, ah, I don't think this industry for do me, you, I'm going to try something think, else. There's you... not, you've got to commit, uh, let me finish my point, you've got to commit to a training regime that takes years before you get the taste of whether you want to do it first. And, and, and I think that's probably what is declining the apprenticeships. Because when they've got to sign on the dotted line, right, I've got to do this for two years? three years you know and and they're not getting that inspiration of the guy turning up in the porsche or the ferrari yeah. it's very easy for them to quit well do, do you think then right yeah i'm thinking on my feet here that yeah, well. the the apprenticeship program has to be completely rewritten not revised. I don't think you can, I, no. I don't. I don't think the baby's got to be thrown out with the bathwater. Uh, and I've no, discussed because, this because, with people no, in the no, industry. No, I tell you I the think, why. I tell you yeah. can I, uh, because we live in a look at look at trading as you, your experience. You've got high frequency trading, right? You know, you've got internet speed, which but everything's much faster. People learn things much quicker these days. Oh, I agree. I agree. So, this current system's completely antiquated. So why why do you, why do we need to have a three year apprenticeship program when you could do it in six months? A year, basically speaking. Well, well, because the current system, how it's set up, Joe, is a cruise liner. It's a petrol tanker. It takes years in order for it to turn around. I told you the story about you know the occupational standards. They get rewritten every four or five years. Yeah. You know, which is basically, oh, these are the things we've got to learn. We've got trends on Instagram changing daily. And yet, a lot of these things won't be developed into the curriculum for five years. Right. Do you know what I mean? So you've got, the, you've got the modern age of internet technology and everyone's connected wirelessly and seamlessly. And all of these things are very, very fast. Yet you've got an education system... Which fundamentally is backwards. I mean, I did, I did say, I did um, tell Edward about this. You know, imagine yourself as that sixteen-year-old that's just left college and you've hated—not college, but you've just left school. You're not t a tremendously academic. You are more creative-minded. You are more set up to go into the vocational um, aspects of, of you know, work. Mm. And 
you're then confronted with having to go into a system where, you, great, you got to sit in a classroom for however many weeks, you know, learning about all the science of, of you know, the medulla and all the different layers of the hair and cuticle. Do you know what I mean? And and you've just come out of that. So, so I understand if there's a, a high churn rate in terms of, like, you know, the amount of students that kind of quit after a little while. But like I say, what kept you, I, and everyone else that I know doing it is because you was exposed to those top salons in the industry. And and I suppose, I suppose part of my point is, you know, if a lot of these salons become unable to function because they're being crippled by the system then the inspiration probably won't be there for a lot of lot of young kids to get into the industry no, I, 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 it isn't and, it, and don't forget right even when they're going to hairdressing like you know they've got great enthusiasm most young kids that were going to her with with touched about they're going to sort of like with great enthusiasm into the industry and then you've got these well, I saw, I mean, I, I, gotta, I gotta say quite, you know, I saw like, you know, quite hand hard, you know, failed hairdressers, you know, hairdressers that go to teaching at a young age, right, are failed hairdressers, you know, they, they, they can't build a clinic until, like I told you, by 25 years old, you, can't, you haven't got a clinic until, you, you, you will never have a clinic until, so by the time they get to sort of 26, 27, 28, right, they, they do their um, assessment, they become educators, you, you know what I mean, it's quite mm. easy to earn a career. From from teaching a bog standard, um, and then MB- so what do you think the answer is then, Joe? For someone that's not really coming from that, you know, education system background, the governing bodies and all that. What I mean, what do you what do you well, foresee as, as being the, the real answer to this? Well, the, the, the real answer to this again, right? And and I, and I kind of sort of said before, right, where technology is has to has to be. A, a, embracing in the hairdressing right and apprenticeship as as ourselves see it it will cease to exist really i mean some and, and colleges will probably be around because they need to be around yeah for sure all right but the sons of the future that they, they won't have um, juniors they won't have assistants that no one will you you, you will have you go to the education system i.e um you know, Alan, the education system would have been as soon, or even the L'Oreal, which they, which they saw like the the master class that they're, they're bringing out already, right? They they will go through that program and they will open up their own hairdresser salons, right? Gotcha. And, yeah. And, and that's how it, that's how it will, it will work. They they, they saw like apprenticeship. Yeah. Again, right? We quite we touched about it with America. They saw deregulating. Um, yeah, so like the, the industry in America, right? Whereas before, right, you know, you had, you had a shampooist, as in you had the Mexican women doing the shampoos. You had the yeah, you had to pass your, you had to basically get your cosmetology license before you could even touch someone's hair. Yeah, right. So everybody yeah. had a specific role in the salon, but what they never had was juniors, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that, well, that, well, this is interesting that you make that um, connection because that was going to be my next point because. I think you're right. I think apprentices, you know, this current system is set up in a way that apprentices are being funneled away from professional salons and straight into the college network first. Um, and, and it's simply because a lot of salons cannot afford to pay juniors A, minimum wage, B, somebody else to come in and train them, or whether it's a member of staff or whatever, 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So all of this stuff gets outsourced, and it gets outsourced to these efficient uh, training academies. Like you say, that the big problem is is it, it's it's quite suffocating mm. because you've got maybe people that haven't um, got the ability to inspire these kids. I, I, like it, somebody who's who's he's actually charging one hundred and fifty pound for a haircut. I, 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 I could kids. I could tell you for example. I mean, as, not example, but as sort of, sort of experience, right? Like we you know, when we had um, assessors coming in, um, they, they were coming from up north, right? Yeah, and these they were lovely ladies, right? I, I did enjoy their company, and they they would come down to London. They go from one salon to the other salon, right? And and I think they enjoyed. The, the interaction with these top salons that we're all based around Knightsbridge. But their educational background wasn't high-end. Sure. You know what I mean? So obviously, they, all, they, all they were doing, they were just assessing them through the, through the, uh, the national career and answering the questions. But, they, they, but these girls, right, they enjoyed coming down to London. Right? I think it was like a, a day trip, basically speaking. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they were teaching anything substantial really out there. Though. We were the ones who were teaching them so the, the most important things. And we were the ones that actually saw like, uh, saw like go sort of make, make them um, hairdressers or not. All they were doing, right, was they were just facilitating the, the, um, the experience, weren't they, to just ticking the boxes. Yeah. Now, that's in the salon. Put that in college. It's, it's going to be much harder, Aaron. You know what I mean? For these Yeah, no, totally. For, for these totally. young so, kids. So, yeah. No, it, listen, it, well, it's, it already is like super difficult. Because like I say, they've got the added pressure of, you know, distraction. And they're being distracted every every which way. Um, you know, whether it be the internet, whether it be other stuff going on in their lives. You know, I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying teenagers are the problem because we was all teenagers. We all got through it somehow. Well, you know, without the distraction. Well, there, there, there is another sort of like, sort of, sort of, sort of like dish, a, 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 a factor, right, which is quite important. If you're working, say, say you're working at um, Lee Stafford's salon, right? Hmm. I'm working at Auntie Ethel's in Peckinbury Street, and we've got yeah. a friend who's working at, say, Richard Ward or uh, Dan Hutchison, whatever, right? Hmm. And we're looking at their work, and we're looking at our work. When do you, when do you, when you're gonna get disheartened, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. That disenchantment must be must be quite a big thing. Like I say, I mean, I've not spent enough time in colleges to see exactly how it works. I mean, obviously, I did a bit of work with LSE, yeah. sitting in guilds, so I see how bureaucratic the process is. I see how many forms have got to be filled filled in, and and like I say, with Edward, he's just pointing out one issue with this bureaucratic process which is potentially preventing a certain amount of people from coming into the industry and becoming uh, apprentices and, so and what, what was that what was that what was the um... well the problem is obviously because of the benefit system you know if if your kid goes into a salon and earns minimum wage 200 pounds a week then that potentially has the uh will come off the family tax credits or working tax credits or things like that however if that kid went into college and weren't earning the 200 pounds a week they're not necessarily going to get the best training through college and it's going to take two three years of their their life but at least the parents keep all of their benefits I mean, I, do you know I, what i mean I, so yeah, so I, there is a systematic issue 
with funneling apprentices away from salons and into the college system. And I think that is what's got to be highlighted. Yeah, I mean, why, why hasn't the professional bodies then, right, brought this issue up in, in, in terms of helping the industry attract the best, best potential juniors uh, about sort of like overcoming this hurdle, really? Yeah, well, like I say, I think it's only those high-end salons which really understand this issue. Um, because, you know, those high-end salons um, can afford to train their staff up from day one, you know, with the, you know, with their philosophy, with their salon philosophy. Yeah. Uh, I remember Lee telling me, you know, he never once hired uh, an, an apprentice or an assistant straight out of college. No. It wasn't the done thing. You had, to te- you had to test attitude, first of all. You had to see whether they had the cojones to... And you know, got, to work in, the, in an industry that's hard. They've got bad yeah. habits, right? Which you can't yeah, find so, out. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so like I say, I mean, the system is the problem. You know, you can't blame the players. No. Uh, you have to blame the game in this in this respect. Uh, and like I say, uh, COVID, uh, the pandemic, the, the state of the high street, all of these things are really exposing us. You know, it's like when the tide goes out, we can now see who hasn't got their shorts on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And once furlough finishes in September, how many salons are going to close, Joe? How many assistants are going to be out of work? How many how many hairdressers are going to be out of work? Probably not many. They're all going to be forced off the grid because, um, like Edward said yesterday, you know, you never meet an unemployed hairdresser. That is true. I mean, that's that's always I would say you never starve as a hairdresser, right? I mean, there will always Mm. be be a, a, a job for them, right? That is true. The where the where the declining um, sort of factor would be right is that the the these the entrepreneurial hairdresser the the, the yeah. sovereign hairdresser they will cease to exist in yeah. years to come and I, but I don't well, I don't think they'll cease to exist I think I think they'll find another way through it because I think that entrepreneurial spirit is 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 kind of born into you you can't be taught that right so, so then. You know, I've got no skin in the game. You don't have any skin in the game. Right? No. Then why is it a problem for 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 us to? I mean, we are we are passionate about the industry. We care about the industry. So yeah. So then, so then we are we trying to sort of like make the uh, the governing bodies wake up and realise that there's a problem that only they can address, or because they can actually go to the government and sort of say no. Well, I think they're part of the problem. Well, for me personally, Joe, it's interference by the government. You know, by the governing, by the governing bodies, and by and by the the government when it comes to all this, it is interference because fundamentally, if you was to give more power to the hairdresser, the salon owner, to bring these kids in, and I'm not saying more power. I'm I'm saying from the perspective of the ability to. Rules that come in such as minimum wage, and this was the point I made yesterday. We had one assistant to one stylist at Stafford. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's Every assistant became a hairdresser. The second minimum wage came in. That was kind of like you know cut in half or maybe a third. And yeah. those that went to college never actually made the grade. Yeah. You know afterwards. So why does the government hate businesses? from looking after himself. Why have governments got to interfere in all of this stuff and just make things a lot more difficult? Because it's a slippery slope. And we saw it with the BEIS thing, Joe. Yes. The sustainability 
uh, group that these governing bodies that you talk of and these um, your professional bodies talk of, they're all celebrating that this was a major achievement. But you and I both saw straight away that, oh, hang on, here comes another load of bureaucracy and another load of rules that is going to make our job as salon owners and hairdressers, successful hairdressers, more difficult because now we're going to have to focus on those things which do not benefit our business. And it, I think that's what it is. It's the interference and distraction of it all. Edward made another interesting point, actually, with the, uh, with the salaries, right? Uh, because most, most of the, the salaries will be taken up by travelling expenses. Because it's not cheap yes. to travel in, into London. No. Right? No, I mean, that's gone through the roof. Yeah. I mean, if you if, if the government says inflation's 2%, well, why when I started working in the city was a single on the tube a pound? And now it's what four pound fifty? That's four hundred and fifty percent. You know, uh, inflation in twenty years, Joe. It, so that's not two percent a year, is it? No, it's 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 probably. So, so this is my point. Inflation links all of these problems together, but it's a we've got to figure out a way to illustrate it, to prove to those that are skimming all this money off the top and and uh, and that are extracting it from the industry because it's not being reinvested back into the industry. It's being invested into these institutions, which you know essentially have failed and have, have proven that they've failed well, yeah, and, uh, and, and for then, year after year after year after year but everyone's looking the other way and and, and they want they want more and more and more they, they and they want, want more and more yeah. they want more and more control yeah. over it and, yeah. and, and 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 like i say i think we're the reason why you and i discuss this problem is because we're the we're the canaries in the coal mine we're the ones that are going no, this is this is wrong. This is going the wrong way. Because what you're going to end up with is is four or five centralised train academies that have the monopoly over the entire industry that won't be able to change. Be that'll only be able to be changed by committee and not by competition, not by you know the natural trends or evolution of things. And and like I say, we're going to end up overregulating our industry to make the same mistakes as what they made in America. And America have finally woken up and they're started to deregulate the industry because they see how many issues it is creating. Yeah, well, I mean, look at California. I mean, California is a complete mess. It's mm. a disaster of a state. But but that's mm. that's a different story. Now I I kind of I hear all this and and you know it's. Yeah, when I was listening to so you you and Eddie talking, right? It, it was very interesting how he does want to resolve. He, he wants to find answers so he can push it forward for for his industry. But do, would you sort of say he's part of the problem as well? Well, no, I wouldn't say he's part of the problem. I think he's conflicted. Um, you know because. You know, he's a he is a genuinely talented hairdresser that's got decades of uh, decades of experience. You know, he's like us. You know, we, we want to leave a legacy behind, yes. which is to improve the thing how we found it. You know, improve it. But but like I say, it's become more and more difficult. I think Edward he's obviously got a foot uh, on both sides of the fence yes. because he is in that. Tr but um, from what I understand of his business. He trains the students that are already apprentices within salons. So it's like they outsource the MBQ training. And the reason why they trust his company to do that is because they are run by proper hairdressers. Right. 
um, you know, um, you know, much the same with a lot of organisations that I, I mix with. I know the MH Fed uh, is another one. You know, the the only tutors they have are successful working barbers that actually work Monday to, you know, or Wednesday to Saturday actually in a barber shop and they come in on a Monday and they teach the kids, this is how you do it. Do you well, know what I mean? Well, so, yeah, because you, you, you got your fingers, uh, connections, well, not fingers, but a lot of parts. Like I said, you well connected because you had the men fed as well, the education system yeah. there as well, didn't you? And the same with LSE. You know, I can highlight the issue with LSE. Yeah. Um, Lee Stafford Education, you know, same again. They get Vardaras that are pro proper hairdressers hey, when you say to LSE, go in. I was teach. thinking, I was thinking the London School of Economics, but no, it's Lee no, Stafford. no, no, Lee Stafford <laughs> Education. You know, and, and once again, all of these com, uh, all of these companies like Edward, like Adam Sloan, like Lee Stafford, they're all trying to figure out how to best teach within but there's so many variables and there's so many rules and regulations that they can only t like so they're suffocated really but, you know, but they're they're in this system which is so complex and convoluted that you know they have to abide by all the rules all the regulations in order to provide the the training that they but, need but to provide and like MVQ, i say right? too much time spent on that you know the mvq curriculum is not law right that's not it's, they can rewrite that tomorrow if they want to yeah, of course, right. of course, and, but and like this, I say, it's got to be done this, by committee, this is, and it but, takes but, a long time. Well, this is what I find really, really, again, sort of like worrying, and the fact that they haven't. I mean, everyone knows that the MVQ is a flawed system, flawed education system, right? It, it is. Yeah, I, I think I think you could ask a, a lot of people in this country. Um, uh, you could do you could do a straw poll on it, Joe, and you would get you know. I heard one person say, "Oh, MBQ stands for not very qualified." That's right. Um, you that's know, right. during the during the T level. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and any employer, so it, it would employ it, again, like you sort of said, he went to college, right? And got, I've got my MBQ level. So what, mate? That mm. mean nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go back to yeah. You know, practice. the education really starts when you hit the floor. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, right. And 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 this is the problem I think they had in America. You know, someone would get their cosmetology license, then they would open up a booth system, and they could then go and start cutting hair. You know, straight off the college floor with no real world experience exactly. behind them. No, that's right. And and obviously they were then set up to fail. They did fail. And, you know, America's a very litigious society. They were probably, you know, they were thrown in at the deep end. Mm, that's right. You know, whereas in a salon environment, it's up to you as a salon owner to really coach that person through it, it, the first few months and, and, on the floor. And this is, this, this is what I'm trying to get at, Aaron, right? Is that mm. these professional bodies know exactly the, 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 the shortcomings of, of the MVQ. And yet, no one sort of sitting down and saying, you know what, no. let's let's modernise it, let's rejig it, let's do this, let's do that, let's let's take it, take the good things from it, let's take away mm. the bad things from it, and, let, and make it more uh, pleasurable to the um, to the twenty yeah. first century to attract. The yeah, more... no, totally. No, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, that, but you know, there's financial incentives. Well, yeah, but the government would do. The government would easily back that. Right, they, they will easily well, because, like you said. They oh, will... don't get me started on the government because it's the government printing money out of fresh air yeah, like and say, giving it to these no, institutions, no, like, like which creates said, the problem. No, no, but you said, <laughs> yeah, it keeps the kids off the streets. So look, look at yesterday, right? Last night, a fifteen-year-old kid and a six-year-old kid were stabbed to death, Aaron. You know what I mean? 
right? Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that happened thirty years. I'm sure that used to happen thirty years ago as well. well, It's just just, no. No. Well, I'm, listen. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure every generation has its its ills, right? Yes. But my point is, when the ills are created from government institutions, but they're not willing to actually analyse the data or to actually take the industry's perspective from it, because they don't. They don't listen to the industry. They listen to the accountants. No, I don't know. I think they are listening to the industry. I mean, we, we listen to the parliamentary debate, right, about the, um, the, the, the VAT. They are listening to the issue. The, unfortunately, the industry spokespeople aren't on the ground. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not foot on the Yeah, stand. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah no, soldiers, I get that. Right? They're, I get that. So, see, so, so, so what, what, so I'm just trying to wrap the show up now, Joe, because we've been going for like 15 minutes. What, 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 what? Mr. Manning, Mr. Manning. <laughs> so let's, let's, I mean, look, it's an interesting subject. It's something that's going to run and run. It's something that hasn't been solved, like you say, for decades. Um, so it is going to run and run. Um, this podcast I, 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 is probably completely futile. No one will listen to it. No, no, it would be. No, <laughs> no listen, one will take I, our I, points listen, on I, board. I told you in previous shows, Aaron, right? Technology will overtake our industry, right? And this is, again, once you start to start seeing the decline of the apprenticeship program, you're going to start seeing other things, right? Salon owners will start looking at sort of being more creative in, in getting an environment that's going to suit them, all right, mm. for their for for their craft. It's all going to be about in the like you always, like you always keep being to the drum about sovereignty, right? It's going to be like that again, Aaron. Yeah, right? yeah. Give give the salon owner the freedom yeah. to you know, yeah, they'll, they'll to, really do. to do what they you know to do what they, they want, want how, and run their business how they see fit. It, you know, it, stop it, exactly. But stop what? implementing rules and regulations and piling on top and, of them. You it, know, bureaucracy. Which doesn't help anybody. Let's let's fast forward fifty years time, right? You know, Go so like most silent owners, most silent right will be automated. You're gonna got clients will go in, and there won't there be no need for apprentices as such, right? What if it would happen to the colleges? They won't be ceased to exist because no well, one's gonna, no one's gonna get into it. So again, right? Of yeah, this though it could be the declining um, aspects of these the, the industry. The, the colleges have to look at it themselves too because mm. in, in order to try to secure their, their future their future yeah. they're actually doing the opposite as well Aaron. yeah it's a great point I mean this is a very much a long term problem yeah. that we that, that needs to be openly discussed yes in a way that is beneficial for the for the entire yes. industry not just for a certain it, subsection it, it, of the exactly, industry exactly exactly um you know, I think more more compelling is the issue with clients going forwards, you yeah. know, because of the pandemic and because of the ending of furlough yeah. in September. You know, we've got more pressing issues at hand, certain things such as, you know, unemployment and, and, and you know, Joe Public's disposable income. Because, because, like I said to Edward yesterday, you know, what's the point in training all these apprentices if all the salons cease to exist? Are you tired with having to compete with the internet on price? Well, Go Salon created a system that means you don't have to. 
GoSalon is a web app that enables professionals to provide a user-friendly online ordering system for not only their services, but for their expert recommendations. GoSalon gives you four more opportunities to recommend your favorite retail products to your clients. GoSalon increases the amount of products that you can sell to your customers. You can sell those products to your customers for the same price as the internet with no extra work. GoSalon is open 24 seven and is found on your client's home screen. Sell whatever, whenever, to whoever you want. It's so simple to set up. Just go to gosalon.uk, enter your email address, reserve your namespace, and we will do the rest. Do it today, become part of the retail revolution. Go Salon, make retail easy. Very important delivery. It was hair for a client. Oh, well done, you, Thursday, mate. No, so that's very good. important. See, who needs apprentices yeah. when you got daughter? No. See, the old days, right? Yeah. You got your, you would have sent your apprentice to the shop, right? To all the way to China to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll cut that part out. Don't worry. No, no, no. The, the, the apprentice. No, you. you, you yeah. No, 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 the me running a uh, gun it's off. He's had it back a minute, really. So, so. Yeah, fair enough. No, it's uh, like um, we were self sane. Um, we've got to train a fool. Yeah, well, it's, no, we're talking about unemployment, about, you know, the apprentice issue is a long term issue. Yeah. You know, if you want to break things down into long term, medium term, and short term, short term issue is how many people are going to be without a job in September? Yeah. That's the short-term issue because obviously if unemployment spikes then the government have got to be doing extremely well in order to counteract that. No, 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 this is it, this is it. I've, 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 um, I've, I've got my chance for No, I was driving through to London, right? You know, paying my 15 pound congestion charge as well, right? And yeah. I'll tell you something, though, right? Most sales ain't busy. They're not busy. No, I know that. They're, no, I know that. You know, but, but like I say, this is this is what I'm saying about, you know, um, but let's not get into a chat about yeah. that because that's another show. Exactly. Well then, mate. Yeah. All right then, dude. Well, um, let people know where they can find you, Joe. They could find me on Telegram yep. and on Twitter, Joe Memet H. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Brilliant work. Yes. Also, I've got been working on a new marketing thing. Um, for I've got a great idea for a new advert. So um, I'm going to try and put that together this week. Oh, and brilliant. when we record next time, I'm going to. I'm gonna give you the premiere, and you can uh, slaughter it if you want. Anyway, what about footy? You gonna watch footy tonight? Uh, is England playing tonight? No, they, no, it's the uh, Italy Spain tonight. Ah, uh, yes, I'm definitely gonna watch that tonight. That's gonna to be very entertaining. Oh. Um, yeah, it's it's coming home, right? Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? I mean, it's it, it, it does. I actually think Italy is gonna be their stumbling block. I think. Yeah, Spain. yeah, but, Italy do look ridiculously good they're, I must admit true, but, um, but you know Austria took them to extra time they're, so they're, but but maybe you, there is a chink in the armour but you know what I find interesting right is how their their forwards right all little uh, short asses to sort of say the least right you know Immobile Isigia I mean they're mm. quite small but they're very powerful aren't they they're very powerful yeah yeah, you know, and and they've got tons of stamina as they well. They really have, but I don't think it would work in the Premier League, though. In in the Premier League, would they? It wouldn't work, I yeah. don't think. Anyway, so what's your prediction then, mate? How are England going to get on? Oh, they beat Denmark definitely. I I, I see England in the final. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the score? Give us a prediction. Well, against Denmark or in the final? Denmark. Ah, two one, I think. Two one. Two one to England. Yeah. Harry Kane, top yeah. scorer. 
Yeah, okay. I'm going to go 1-0 England. All right. It's a one-goal difference. Yeah, exactly. All right, then, Joe. Cheers for today. Look forward to it. I'll see you soon.